John Lovitz, is it true you're a huge fan of Radio Free Brooklyn? No. Uh, oh. Well, don't you listen to their show, The Next Best Thing? No. Okay. Well, will you check it out this Monday at 10 o'clock p.m.? No. All right, well, screw you, John Lovitz. The Next Best Thing, every Monday night from 10 until midnight on Radio Free Brooklyn. Fun for everyone except for John Lovitz, but don't worry about him. He's an asshole. Ooh, that one hurts. I will slap you in the mouth, John Lovitz. Ooh. Can you hear 
Thanks for listening to The Next Best Thing. Thanks for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. That was Prayer of the Children, Kurt Bester. I felt it was fitting for the times in which we live. Let's talk about the times in which we live. You know, we talk about guns plenty on this show. There are two full episodes dedicated to that subject alone. You can find them on the podcast page. In fact, I suggest you listen to them. However... It's just interesting. I do find it important that we keep the subject in the public consciousness. So, from time to time, I will touch on it again. Sometimes play clips from those two episodes. Last week, it just so happened that we spent a lot of time on the subject. Last week. That was before Saturday into Sunday, when, hopefully, you don't live under a rock, and you know there were two Major mass shootings. Now, what's major? What's a major mass shooting? Can't just say mass shooting because mass shootings in America happen every day. In fact, more than every day. There have been more mass shootings this year than there have been days in the year. The first time I ever dedicated an entire episode to the subject of guns was in 2000. Actually, I think it was first week of 2013, not long after the Sandy Hook massacre. That took a huge toll on me. I couldn't get out of bed for a few days. Now, the reason I bring this up is because the Sandy Hook massacre at the time, and still in a lot of ways, was the most outrageous, devastating, catastrophic gun event, gun massacre that I had ever experienced. You know, 25 and 6-year-olds being shot down in cold blood in their school days before Christmas. Their teachers, their principal, trying to protect them, taking bullets for them, dying themselves. That was jarring. So jarring that we did nothing about it. Um, It's hard for me to make jokes about this anymore because it isn't funny. I mean, it was never funny. But we're at a point now, you know, I've got, it's like the stages of grief. You know, you go through what? Denial, acceptance, anger. Well, I don't have acceptance, but I'm certainly angry. And I mean, we can deny, we can deny the, the fact that this is happening. And some people do, because I guess that's their best way to cope. It is happening. It, it keeps happening. And if you're not angry, then I used to say if you if you weren't upset or angry or concerned about gun violence, well, then you weren't informed. Now I say if you're not angry or concerned about gun violence, then fuck you because you're choosing to be ignorant. And that is just as bad as being complicit. That is just as bad as being an advocate for it. 15 hours. Within 15 hours, there were two mass shootings. 34 people are dead. 48 are injured. Let's recap a little bit. Saturday morning. At 10.30, a 21-year-old white male started to open fire at a Walmart in El Paso, Texas, full of back-to-school shoppers. Dressed in dark clothing, wearing earmuff-style hearing protection, the guy had an AK-47 and a bunch of extra magazines. So, 
you would take a look at this person wearing what he was wearing, carrying the weapon he was carrying, and you would think, oh, this person is clearly on a battlefield. This person is clearly a soldier at war. No, he was at a Walmart shooting back to school shoppers. Initially, the casualty count was 20. However, since then, an additional two people have died, so that brings it to 22. Okay, so then 15 hours later, actually less than 15 hours later, at 1.05 on Sunday morning, another guy wearing a mask and a bulletproof vest, this time he was 24 years old, still white, he opened fire on a popular entertainment district in Dayton, Ohio. In less than 60 goddamn seconds, he shot and killed nine people and injured 32 more. This guy, he had two weapons, an AR-15 and an AK-47. An AK-47. If you ever meet a hunter, someone who likes to shoot ducks or deer, and they tell you that they need an AK-47 to do that, well, then I suggest you run because you're talking to a crazy person with a gun. Now, those two events I'm sure you did hear about. They've been all over the news. Meanwhile, here's what you probably didn't hear about. Here's what was going on around the country during those two mass shootings. On Friday night in my hometown of Kansas City, people were out enjoying what we call First Fridays. It's a monthly event. Thousands of Kansas Cityans and their friends go down to the Crossroads District. They walk around to different art galleries and studios. It's a great event. You know, there's, there's hundreds of art galleries in that area. There's also food trucks and street music and a bunch of performances, vendors, live theater and whatnot. It's, it's a great Great thing that Kansas City does. Very popular. At around 10.04, off-duty police officers were notified there was a fight in progress. Well, then they heard gunshots ring out, and before long, they found Erin Langhofer, a 25-year-old woman who had nothing to do with the fight. She'd just been out with friends enjoying the evening. She was hit by a stray bullet and died soon thereafter. An 18-year-old man has been apprehended and charged with second-degree murder. In uh, Fernwood, Illinois, a 19-year-old named Joshua Smith was found with a gunshot wound to the back. He was taken to a hospital where he was pronounced dead. In Georgia, what started out as a minor road rage incident between two women escalated quickly. One of them pulled out a gun, and just like that, 43-year-old Teresa Horton was shot and killed while running on foot, trying to escape. Two situations nearly identical to that one took place in Florida. Two more. They ended with one dead, two injured. Still in the Sunshine State, a 35-year-old man named John Clark was shot by police after pointing a 12-gauge shotgun at them. It was the the same 12-gauge shotgun he'd used to kill his mother a few minutes earlier. In West Virginia, police were responding to a shooting behind, quote, the Martinsburg Moose Lodge. Sounds right. They were responding to that call when they found the bodies of three men, all in their early to mid-30s. One was dead already. The, uh, another one died shortly thereafter. In Alabama, a pair of police officers had to break protocol and split up in order to respond to two simultaneous calls of shots fired. Officer A came to find that a man had shot and killed his girlfriend in an apartment before stealing a car and killing himself. As for Officer B... 
Well, he found the dead body of the boyfriend and an innocent bystander the guy decided to shoot and kill before committing suicide because why not? (laughs) Why not? I've got a gun. If I'm suffering and I'm going to go, you're going with me, stranger. In Michigan, police arrived on a scene to find 41-year-old man, a 41-year-old man who shot and killed himself along with his 49-year-old wife who was still alive but suffering from a significant gunshot wound herself. She died on the way to the hospital. In Kentucky, the the Taylor County Sheriff says a man and a woman were found dead with gunshot wounds in what appears to be another murder-suicide. In Indiana, a man was found dead after being shot on the east side of Indianapolis. In Wisconsin, three separate shootings in Milwaukee left one person dead and three others critically injured. The victim who died was 17 years old. The other two were 19 and 30. This is just the tip of the iceberg. (laughs) I mean... We're talking about guns today because of the two most recent mass shootings. Had there only been one, we probably would have already moved on because that's just how we do things now. Regardless, these shootings happen daily. Daily. They're happening right now. One person in Utah, three more in Nebraska, another in Arkansas, and two more in South Carolina. They happen every goddamn day. Every goddamn day. You know, I have to say, if as many people were dying of, I don't know, E. coli bacteria or a weird a swine flu, if as many people were dying from something like that as there are dying from gunshot wounds in America, people would be losing their shit. They'd be freaking out. They would be demanding that the government do something to figure this out, to protect us, to solve this problem. But because it's guns, everyone just offers thoughts and prayers and looks the other way. I I don't fucking understand it. You know, finding a cure for some weird, rare disease is a lot harder than restricting access to deadly weapons. I'm not going to spend the whole episode on this. We can't. We have a great show put together and a great guest, but here's what I want to say. You know, land of the free, home of the brave, endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Oh, and of course, the the right to keep and bear arms. Regardless of where you grew up, regardless of your political leanings, these are all phrases that we as Americans, know very well. You know, we learn them as small children, we recite them every day in school, and we encounter them often as an adult. They're important, you know, they, they are what make us Americans. They're meaningless. They're meaningless. In fact, when you really think about it, they're absurd. Land of the free? How free are we when we can't go to church or the movies, or to a music festival, or to an art fair, or to school, without worrying that we might end up being gunned down. How happy and liberated do we feel knowing that our kids, regardless of whether they're in college, high school, kindergarten, they really could go off to school one day and never come home. Now, I can just hear the gun people right now responding to that. Oh, please, as if there's no, 
accidents or, or deaths of school children in other countries? What are you talking about? Well, look. <laughs> look, you delightful, ignorant, bloated sack of human garbage. Why don't you just go ahead and take your gun and your cum rag and go back down to your parents' basement? If we need advice on how to take up space and radiate worthlessness, I promise we'll give you a call. God knows that's your area of expertise. But for now, we're talking about something serious, something you're too repugnant, vile, and just, mm, to understand. When it comes to kids between the ages of 5 and 14, they are 13 times more likely to get shot and killed in America than they are in any other developed country. And they're eight times more likely to shoot and kill themselves than in any other developed country. Now, why might that be? If your instinct is to answer that question by bringing up video games or culture or all the violent movies and TV shows we have here, then I'm afraid I have some bad news for you. You are a fucking oaf. Truly an imbecile. A, a halfwit. The less talking you do, I, I promise, the smarter you'll sound. Just stay quiet and people might think you, um, you have something to contribute. Look, if all this makes me sound like a typical left-wing New York Times reading, latte-drinking liberal elitist, then again, all I can say is, I mean, it can only mean you don't have a fully functional brain. I don't drink lattes. I uh, occasionally read the New York Times, but um, I think the real implication there is that anyone who keeps up with the news is somehow elitist, which, come on, let's be real here. They're just saying they don't like smart people because they remind them that they're worthless and stupid. And it's not even smart. It's just keeping up with the news. How smart do you have to be to watch the goddamn news? That's not the point. Here's, all, here's the last thing I'm going to say. I don't know what it's going to take. And I don't know when it's going to happen. But I firmly believe that a day will come when we look back on this period in American history, this the 20 to 40 or 60 or 80, however many years it takes, we're going to look back on this period when we saw massacre after massacre after massacre from Columbine to Sandy Hook, Orlando to Las Vegas, Stoneman Douglas to El Paso and everything in between and did nothing. Did nothing. It didn't pass a law, didn't change a policy didn't raise a finger. We just sat back, offered thoughts and prayers, held a couple town halls, invited the NRA, and waited for the next atrocity to occur. I think we'll look back and view this period of inaction the way we do our treatment of the Native Americans or our dark history of slavery. Those things, along with this, add up to be the scourge on America. On on America's history, truly shameful, unconscionable behavior that we will never be able to really come to terms with or make up for. And it's happening right now, every day, every single day. The fact that we do nothing about this is not just, it's not a political pro I mean, it's like, it is just absolutely unconscionable. Now, for anyone out there who thinks it's inappropriate for me to, quote-unquote, compare anything to slavery or, you know, the genocide of Native Americans. Again, 
take a breath and shut up and listen to what I'm saying before you get all faux outragey about it. My point is, those were blatant and just outrageous periods and instances where we had complete and utter disregard for human life. And what is this if not disregard for human life? We're just letting guns flow and letting people fucking die. He's our only child. He died on Friday. I'll never have another child. Columbine. He's gone. Virginia Tech. Here we are again in the aftermath of another uh, terrible, inexplicable, shocking and painful tragedy, this time in Las Vegas, which happens to be my hometown and Cleto's hometown, Cleto Sr.'s hometown. Oak Creek. At least 59 people are dead. Hundreds of people were wounded in what they say was the deadliest mass shooting in modern American history. Newtown. You know, the, the grieving that the country feels is real. The sympathy, comforting the families. But it's not enough just to feel bad. How many more? How many more? We want the people that come here to say that. Was How many more colleges? How many more classrooms? How many more movie theaters? I can't tell you how angry I am. It's just awful. And no parent should have to go through this. No parent. How many more houses of faith? How many more shopping malls? How many more street corners? How many more? To have a kid die in this kind of a situation, what, what has changed? Have we learned nothing? Now to the latest in that deadly shooting rampage in Virginia Beach, where 12 people lost their lives. Police say the shooters showed up here heavily armed, ready for battle. Two handguns, extended magazines, a silencer, slaughtering people on three different floors of this building behind me. Police in Aurora, Illinois, are responding to reports of an active shooter at a manufacturing plant. Students in the West Aurora District are now in a soft lockdown. A manhunt is underway in Louisiana after police say that five people were killed Saturday in two separate but connected shootings. The shooting spree happened about an hour west of New Orleans. A married couple are among the victims. Police have identified their 21-year-old son as a suspect. Today we learned the names of women who were shot and killed yesterday inside a bank in Sebring, Florida. The suspect appeared in court, but the motive remains a mystery. The shooting happened shortly after 12 on Wednesday at the SunTrust Bank in Sebring. Investigator C. Zaver entered the bank wearing a bulletproof vest armed with a gun. He forced five women to lie down, then he shot them. How many more? Enough. 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 Is it enough? I guess we'll find out. All right, I want to bring in my guest. I had a great time talking to Brian Tyler Cohen. It was great of him to come into the studio, and we had a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Originally from New Jersey, he went to Lehigh University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, where he got a dual degree in English and business. He moved to L.A. to become an actor and writer, and he's done a lot of writing ever since. 
He's been a political writer for the Washington Press, Huffington Post, and Occupy Democrats, which is a political organization and news website created in 2012 as a counterbalance to the Republican Tea Party. Nowadays, he spends most of his time offering commentary and analysis of what's going on in the news, what's going on in the world, all of which can be found on his YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Brian Tyler Cohen. That's youtube.com slash B-R-I-A-N-T-Y-L-E-R-C-O-H-E-N. And here's just a little sample for you. Even though we've already heard one, take another listen. This is Jeff Daniels hitting the nail on the head with MSNBC's Nicole Wallace in a speech that was strikingly reminiscent of his character on the newsroom, Anger Will McAvoy. In a surprise move, special counsel Robert Mueller held a press conference today to speak publicly for the first time, and the results were devastating for the president. This is Trump's acting chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, trying his absolute hardest to justify Trump's racist attack on yet another black congressman. This is Trump's hardline senior advisor, Stephen Miller, wheeling off an absolute onslaught of falsehoods with Fox News's Chris Wallace. And so on and so forth. So, Brian, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So... Let me ask, uh, did you grow up in a political environment? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, I didn't. Well, that makes me angry. Yeah. No, just yeah. Um, actually, uh, I mean, my, my dad, uh, my dad's interested in politics. My mom, uh, is pretty kind of, uh, depressed with the whole system and always has been. So, um, but yeah, no, uh, there was really no, there was no, really no politics in my upbringing. Um, I just got interested in it, uh, I guess, during the Obama, before Obama was uh, elected. And I I was at college at the time and organized, uh, organized some buses to bring all the students to the polls back and forth to the polls. So that was like my first foray into, into politics. Did, um, you, that's interesting. So did you, what took you from studying business in English that sent you to LA to pursue acting? Yeah. So it was actually, um, Nothing really made sense. Uh, Does it ever? Yeah. So um, no, I mean, I studied. I studied business and English. Um, I've always been. I've always been interested in writing, uh, but I didn't think that going to school and just getting an English degree would be practical enough. So I got. Uh, I got my dual degree in in business. Came out to LA. Um, I actually worked at, of all places, uh, Fox for a little while, but it was Fox Broadcasting Company, uh, and I I um, worked in their development department and. Uh, it was cool. I liked it. Got to see how the whole industry worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but my friends were all actors and I was really jealous of them. So stopped doing that immediately and started acting. So and you weren't interested. So you wasn't like, cause my first thought when I saw that you studied business in English was a practical move because a lot of times, to be honest with you, even in high school, I remember thinking that majoring in theater or musical theater was pointless because anyone could be Totally. And that sounds horrible, but that's, you know, if you totally. have the talent, you yeah. can do it. Yeah. But and you need a degree to be an accountant. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know how I could justify going to school for four years and, uh, and getting a, a theater degree. So, <laughs> not so yeah. Not to hate. No, not at all. Theater majors not at all. Live um, your dream. This was, yeah, this was, this was just for me. Uh, that was just like how, that was just how I felt about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so I came out to, came out to, um, yeah. So once I was in LA and I started act, I started acting after that. Um, but kind of on my own part time, I was writing articles, uh, and, and submitting them to HuffPost for, to see if they'd publish them and they published every article that I wrote. Wow. Um, and it was just completely like on the side, I would do it. I would do it at night. Um, I, I was working a part-time job writing, writing at night. So what, what did you do at Fox? 
uh, uh, entertainment. Yeah, so I was uh, I was interning in their development department okay. and uh, basically uh, for comedy comedy development and and drama development and uh, yeah, nice. And so really, so you hadn't even given much thought to acting before. Yeah, I mean, I had been interested in it, mm-hmm. but uh, I think once I was in the world, you know, right. out of uh, moved into LA and kind of immersed in that world, it was uh, it was definitely a lot more, more appealing. appealing. Yeah. Um, and speaking of which, you know, you have been in things like uh, movies like Knucklebones, Independence Day, Independent yeah. with a T, uh, uh, the, the plural, night, the plural possessive, right? Yes. Exactly, and uh, the Night Watchers, and then I think. Uh, upcoming films, Running with Fear and Days Like This. Yes. Um, so you said that you got interested in politics around Obama's time. Uh, was it during that election in 08? Or yeah, you know, during, during the 08 election. Um, and I was, I was still in college at the time. Right. So interested in so far as I was also, you know, studying and right. partying and, you know. Well, I um, asked because it's interesting to think back on that time and think, I mean, I remember talking to people about it and talking about how crazy Republicans seemed yeah. then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact. Hey, you're like, how can we get worse than George Bush? Well, really. I mean, Cut to. And to be honest, here, let's just give people a little reminder of what, what crazy Republicanism sounded like back in 2012. Take your message of equality of achievement. Take your message of economic dependency. Take your message of enslaving the entrepreneurial will and spirit of the American people somewhere else. Get the hell out of the United States of America. I don't want to abolish government. I simply want to reduce it to the size where I could drag it into the bathroom and drown it in the bathtub. The objective of the liberals is to destroy this country. The objective of the liberals is to make America mediocre. Our top political priority over the next two years should be to deny President Obama a second term. Uh, Mr. Obama is a socialist. And by definition, socialism is not American and needs to be defeated. Americans are just now starting to find out about Bill Ayers. This is a, uh, an unrepentant terrorist who says he wishes he would have bombed more people, bombed the Pentagon, bombing Americans. Barack Obama didn't have a mild association with Bill Ayers. He had a very strong association with Bill Ayers. Calls into question what Barack Obama's true beliefs and values and thoughts are. No one's ever asked to see my birth certificate. They know that this is the place that we were born and raised. All right. Now, listening back to that, two things come to mind. Yeah, it does seem a little quaint compared to what we're dealing with now, but it also is kind of a rude reminder that, yeah, they were really bad. Yeah, like that is like yeah, that there's guy, really like you listen, Obama socialist. It's the it's it's the same tired it is the playbook same stuff, and know? it's like I don't know if you watched the debate last night, but Pete Buttigieg he had made, a great line. Yeah, yeah. And he said he said no matter what we do, if we if we um. Have if, a conservative agenda? Yeah. If, if we if we have like if we have moderate proposals, they're gonna call us socialists. If we have conservative proposals, they're gonna call us socialists. So regardless of what they do, they're gonna call us socialists. So let's just do what we think is right. Right. And they clearly Obama is so far from a socialist. Totally. And always was. So I mean yeah. so it's just we're in crazy town. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. It it's just a it's just a fear-mongering tactic, you know? But it's also rank, aggressive, fierce stupidity. Yeah. And I say that purposefully, because <laughs> I usually avoid words like that. But n- nowadays, 
I mean, you see these videos of people being like at a Trump rally saying like, well, I didn't know there was anything bad in the Mueller report. Totally. And it's like, well, a lot of times and and they rely on the fact that that their audience is only going to consume news from sources that are that are deliberately misrepresenting what's happening. If, if you hear that something is socialist a thousand times and you and that's the only news source that you're getting it from, you know, that that's what you're going to think it is. Even though even though if you look at the most popular programs in America, if you look at uh, Medicare, Medicaid and Social Security, that's socialism. If you look at Trump giving a 16 billion dollar bailout to the farmers because to compensate for his trade war with China, that's socialism. But it's but it's, you know, well, it's the closest thing to socialism that we have. And of course, that's, but it's not socialism when Republicans do it or when it's something that's popular in their district. They do that to save themselves from what they're actually doing. Right. That's I mean, the, that's the irony. Of course. I would, I would, if I was a Republican, I would love to distract people with some, you know, tired fear mongering about socialism when the president of the United States is facing an impending impeachment inquiry. When there's the Mueller, when, the, when there's a damning Mueller uh, report that says that there were 10 instances of obstruction of justice when there's clear cut evidence of collusion between his campaign and Russia. Of course, I would love to point everybody the other direction and say, look at that socialism over there. But the difference is, and here's what I think is the difference, not just between Democrats and Republicans, but of 2012 and today is that even in 2012, when they were saying crazy things, there was an element that existed of shame there was such a thing as shame. If you were exposed to have lied, for example, Mitt Romney's 47% video, yeah. that was horribly damaging to him. Right. That and that alone. Now we look at someone like Trump who says something 50 trillion times worse mm-hmm. every single day, and it doesn't seem to affect him at all. And it's no. like, what twilight zone are we well, living in? you look in? at uh, someone like Roy Moore also. The yeah. guy is has credible accusations of pedophilia against him. And he's considering, he's launching his second Senate I bid. thought we were going to lose. Um, yeah, the, really the fact did. that you think you're going to lose to a pedophile. Well, did you? Did you think Doug Jones would win that election? I, I mean, don't know. I, mean, I don't like, know. I, I mean, and, and the fact that I don't know is, right. is a, it, right. it speaks volumes. Exactly. But then there are glimpses of hope, like in my home state of Kansas. You know, I have a friend who's my token friend, my token Republican (laughs) friend, who still calls himself a Republican. And like he, when I told him that it would be possible for us to elect a Democratic governor and that certain people in that state could win, he thought, I mean, he spoke to me like I was talking gibberish. Yeah. And the fact that, because I knew we had, we had before, Kathleen Sebelius was our governor. It wasn't impossible. But Chris Kovac was a very recognizable name. Horrible, right? but recognizable. He had been Trump's right-hand man for his make-believe... Voter election you know, fraud Which literally commission. just kind of disappeared. As it should have. Right. But no, but so he lost too. So it is possible. I mean, it is, you know, it's not total Twilight Zone until you get to the presidency. Yeah. Which is very, very frustrating. Would you say so? Yeah, I'd say it's frustrating. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a fair assessment. And I guess I just hope that it could return to some semblance of normal. And I think even Republicans, even people who call themselves Republicans that aren't Trump supporters, think that there's going to be a degree of normalcy that returns to the White House after this. You know, it's it's not always going to be this this depra- depravity that we see in the Republican Party now. I don't think they deserve that. 
I'm not kidding. Like these, you know, Lindsey Graham, for example. Yeah. When you literally look at recordings of him, you know. Oh, I mean, he, yeah. he absolutely contradicts himself. Well, not even. I mean, there's contradictions and then there's what he said. I mean, yeah. he was on television saying, I think he's a kook. I think he's crazy. A re- xenophobic, race-baiting bigot. In front of, the funny thing about that is when he said that, I remember in, at the time thinking, because he said, I think he's a xenophobic, race-baiting, religious bigot. Yeah. And I remember thinking, well, he's not religious. <laughs> but yeah. like now you can't get Lindsey Graham to condemn him telling people to go back where they came totally. from. It's like yeah. you, so I don't think they des- deserve to, whether Trump's gone in a year and a half, four years, 20 years, who knows? Right. That they, that they, yeah. that they'll have the opportunity, that they'll, that will allow them to just kind of go back into being a normal Republican. Right. And, yeah. I, and I don't think, and I don't think, I don't think they will. I, I think that this administration has been, has been incredibly, uh, has been awful for the, for, will have, will be awful for these people. When you look back and, you have all of this footage of them defending what what will go down as the worst administration in or American not, history, or some defending, some staying silent, which right. is just as which bad. is just as bad, really. And it's like you know, so that token Republican friend of mine. Whenever I mention that to him, he's like, "What do you want them to do? You know, they they have this constituency, and blah blah. Lose, yeah. If you have to lose, lose. I don't. Well, I, there's and there's Republicans across the country that are that are you know going. I mean, Justin Amash just went just changed his party affiliation to independent. But he's the only. I mean, like he, yeah. there needs to and be it, more. Totally. I mean, like on the national level, yeah. that's the thing. It's like he, my friend, will mention too. Like, well, we got this great Republican mayor in Hoosville, Nebraska. And it's like, great. that's great. That is great. No, you know, God love Hoosville, but like, come on. Yeah. You know, that's like saying, you know, I love this sporting, this sports franchise with a racist owner, a murderer for the manager, uh, you know, like adultering head coach. And yeah, you know, like the ball boy is just a saint. Yeah. It's kind of like, okay, yeah, he's part of the organization, but Come on now. Yeah. He's not like leading the charge here. Totally. And it's just, it's, I, I do think Donald Trump is an anomaly in the sense that like, you know, there's never been a figure, politician, but figure really like him who could just come out and say these outrageous things, things that people, you know, people have seen him on TV for 12 years looking, you know, I watched The Apprentice for one season yeah. and I enjoyed it for one season. I mean, really, that's just all I caught, but like. He, I, I remember talking to my mom once, talking about like how he did look smart. He looked like he was a good judge of talent and like how to put people together with their strengths and blah, blah, blah. It made him look really good. And he's sitting at that table telling these celebrities what they did wrong and firing him. It made him look, I wouldn't say presidential, but it made him look smart and like a real leader. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to talk to Clay Aiken once who was on that show, actually was on the season I saw and it's, he didn't come up with, he didn't decide what he said, what he wore, the challenges, who won, who lost. He had as little to do with that show as you and I did, right. as viewers, if you view it, whatever. But like, so even that was fake. Yeah. Even his TV persona was fake. And I don't know. It's like, okay, anyway. So your political, I did, did look like your political activity, at least, in terms of writing and um, your videos and stuff did pick up... Uh, about when Trump really entered the fray. Yes. Um, could that have been coincidental or does that Yeah, no, I'd say, I'd say there's a pretty clear uh, link between Trump getting elected and, and my political activity uh, ramping up pretty quickly. So prior to, the, prior to his election, yeah, I had, been, I had been publishing articles kind of 
just as I went, um, occasionally on HuffPost. And, um, and then I remember, you know, I still wasn't, I still wasn't working for Occupy Democrats when the election happened. The, the election actually happened on my, on my friend's birthday. So really? I, I, we didn't even watch the beginning. Uh, we didn't even watch when the votes started coming in on the East coast because, you know, it was my friend, my friend RG's birthday and we were all having a good time and we're like, there's no way Nothing he's to win. worry about. No, not at all. <laughs> this poor girl cut to we're, you know, halfway through the night, I have the dry erase board in the room doing electoral math, realizing that, that there's really no way that Hillary can pull it out. And this poor girl is sitting on the couch for her birthday as everyone's watching the country go down in flames. So, um, that, yeah. I was going to ask you, yeah, I was, <laughs> I never felt great about that because like I spent most of that election fighting people off about Hillary. Mm -hmm. Which is not a good sign. Yeah. I just never, because I had been a Hillary supporter in 08 even. And like, you know, she was going to win the nomination and here she is right. and didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was never fully comfortable. But that night, I just remember I was, I actually literally had the flu. So I was literally sick. Yeah. And so I hadn't gone to like any parties or anything. And I just found myself literally like walking the streets of Brooklyn, yeah. <laughs> listening to MSNBC, just like, with a fever and like looking up at the sky being like, oh no, <laughs> how I'll could like, you? Well, more like how, yeah, that's actually true. Like how could this happen? Yeah. And I still wonder that. Yeah. And. Yeah. I mean, she, look, I, I think, I think. you Now let's talk about this. You know, there is still a very large faction of the party, party slash left, um, who will to this day hate on Hillary. I mean, like, and it's kind of like. You need a scapegoat, and she's an easy scapegoat. You, but how do you feel about it? I, I think she got a really unfair shake. I think when you have half of the news reporting what was actually going on, mm -hmm. half of what you would call, I guess, the, the, the mainstream media, the, the quote-unquote liberal media, only because it's not Fox News. Only because facts make Republicans look bad, right? so they hate them. So you have one side that lays claim to, to, to regular news, and just by virtue of it being on that side, it's just it makes it liberal, which doesn't make any sense, right. but so be it. Um, and then you have conservative media, which was just more interested in promoting conspiracy theories. And so in its in the media's desperation to prove that it's not liberal, you have you have them covering these conspiracy theories as if they're legitimate, just to say, just to, 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 to compensate for the fact that everyone's calling them the liberal media. They're like, no, look, we'll, we'll cover this stuff too. We'll cover Hillary's emails. And then you have exclusively, exclusively <laughs> just to, just to, to ram it down everyone's throats that look, we're, we're definitely not liberal cut to Ivanka, Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner were just subpoenaed for using personal devices and personal emails during to conduct uh, official business in the White House, and it yeah disappears like right. a fart in the wind. Right, and this mm. just happened. Yeah, I know. And no, and there are there are there are no stories in the New York. I mean, maybe one story in the New York Times, but much, no one seems to care. Though. No, of course, because it's not a real thing. And and the fact that no one's talking about it is proof that it was never a real thing. It was just it was just a means to to compensate for this for finger pointing at at at, at the mainstream media. That, that it's too liberal. Also, when people people love to do this Monday morning quarterbacking revisionist history thing, where like I hear people 
today talk about, well, look, yeah, you know, there was Russia and yeah, there was Comey and yeah, she got three million more votes. But come on. I mean, she didn't go to Michigan and she, you know, she lost to Donald Trump, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, now, wait a second. First of all, yeah, there was Russia. Yeah. And yeah, there was Comey. Two outrageously unprecedented, unprecedented things. That, that's like saying, okay, you and I are going to race. And yeah, I broke your kneecap. It's <laughs> right. like, yeah, that would affect how you run. I mean, in, in a huge way. And also, this is what I just boggles my mind. It's like, if you think back to election day, she had been way ahead in the polls the whole time. I mean, yeah. like it got close for maybe like a week and it was like a big deal because he was within 10 points or something. But she had been way ahead in the polls the whole time. On election day, and I have these screens saved, and I don't even know why I did it at the time, but I'm glad I did. Like 538 had her at like 74% chance. Right. Uh, the New York Times had her at like 83. And something else had her even higher. She won all three debates unequivocally. Right. I mean, she made him look stupid because he is stupid. He knows nothing. And that was very obvious. She won all three debates, was way ahead in the polls. If you're playing someone in tennis and you're ahead, you know, you have like three points to win the whole two set match. Are you going to think to yourself, oh, geez, I better change things up? Yeah. No. And so like to think back on, well, she didn't go to Michigan. It's like, did it seem like on the day of the election, like, oh, God, you know, fuck, we didn't go to Michigan right. enough. No, it's all revisionist history. People just hate on her because she's easy to hate on. Because you need a scapegoat. And she's because people have been hating on her forever. Like right. she, I don't get it. I really yeah. don't get it. She, she gets a bad rap. And, totally. I, and she would have been a great president. She would have been a great, yeah. you know, like, look, you don't have to want to go hang out with her. And you wouldn't anyway. Right. Like, even if you did want to. Like, but she was tough. She was smart. She had been a, think about it. She had been a first lady of a state. She knew how state government worked, how that whole thing, you know, functioned. She's a senator. Yeah, senator, knew how that worked, how to negotiate across the aisle. Been the first lady. She knew how life was in the White House. I mean, she was the brainchild of the Children's Health Insurance God Program. damn it. And that's another thing. In 1993, when we were like barely, I mean, we were, in 93, I was think four years old. She was going across the country promoting what was called then Hillary Care, which was universal health care. And she got slammed for, I mean, like yeah. Republicans just raked her across the coals. It lost them that primary, I mean, that uh, midterm. Mm -hmm. And so she kind of felt stupid and shut up about it. Then in 2016, she's being called a f like a, you know, closet Republican because she's not as left-wing as Bernie right. who was promoting Hillary care. Yeah. So goddamn, it's yeah. like there's stupidity all around, yeah. really. God, how do you, would you agree that there is some kind of, you know, like when we think of the radicals, I think the radicals on our own side could be the death of us. Well, I'm not sure. I mean, there's two, I, I feel like the factions competing in the party um, all ultimately want some version of the same thing, but the differences just seem exacerbated because everyone's so afraid of losing to Trump, you know? I mean, ultimately, and everybody kind of wants the same thing. It's just that you want the perfect avenue to get there, and you think that any any string from whatever somebody deems is is perfection is going to cost us the race. I mean, it's a lot of it is out of fear. But everybody wants some version of universal health care. Mm -hmm. we're, we're literally at each other's throats over whether there's going to be some private option to accompany it or not. And, you, and it seems like it's this massive, you know, moderates versus 
the the leftists, but we're talking about you know a difference of of right. of, of you know a few inches. But that's how it was. And, honestly, that's how it was between Bernie and Hillary. Yeah. But you would have thought they were in two different worlds. Totally. And like that's my worry. <clears throat> and look, when people are passionate about this. Yeah, it it does seem it does seem like it's it's a world's difference, but and they're sometimes really- it, like I'm thinking one guy in particular who I know who was a Bernie guy. Fine, I was a, like I said, I was a Hillary supporter in '08, but when she lost the primary, I was like, well, fuck Obama. Sure, I was disappointed for a few days, and then you get behind him. Yeah, you just that's what you do. This guy was a Bernie guy all you know through and through, then voted for Jill Stein in Michigan. Yeah, and later when I asked him, like, okay. Take a deep breath. Looking back on it, obviously you regret that, right? You do it differently now. And he said no. Yeah. And I thought, are you some damned moron? Like this is this is my nightmare. This is what I'm talking about. Did we learn nothing? Yeah. So yes, we do ultimately want pretty much the same thing. But it's like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> is this could this happen again? I don't think it will. I hope not. Cut to <laughs> well, who? Okay. But I mean, you kind of see it happening a little bit. I mean, obviously, because first yeah. of all, there's. I mean, look, I, I think it's I think it's a little different this time because we have so many candidates, and it's not it's not like we have a very quote unquote moderate candidate and a very quote unquote liberal candidate. We have the entire spectrum of People, candidates yeah. who, who who you know I would I would I would argue would be some someone like Steve Bullock or or Joe Biden all the way mm-hmm. to the you know on the as the moderates, and then we have Bernie and we have. Um, Elizabeth Warren on the on the on the left, but it's not like there are a lot of great options in the middle. So and it's not any like, of them. Any of them would be great, yes, but it's to. it. You don't have this fear of of having to you know hold your nose and go vote for somebody, um, somebody who you might not agree with because there's candidates. The entire spectrum is right in front of us, mm-hmm. so it's not as scary for somebody who's who who might be a Bernie supporter who says okay well I have to vote for somebody who I liken to the Republican party mm-hmm. you know like like some Bernie supporters viewed Hillary you have that, Elizabeth Warren crazy. to the you have Elizabeth Warren and then right na- right after him you have you know Kamala and 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 then Pete and you know you have the entire spectrum but we're only so it's have it's one okay. nominee in the totally. you know and it's like and then, but like I said I think everybody wants some version of the same thing I hope I mean I agree that they do want that and and I also think that in that thing they want mm-hmm. is mostly just for it not to be Donald Trump. I hope Trump. so. I so, mean, I really do hope so. Yeah. Because that's what I, when I was thinking, when my friend said that, I was like, oh my God, you know, like, it's more important to you to get your guy than it is to save the... Your listening. Originally from New Jersey, when she lost the primary, I was like, well, fuck, you know, and it's like... And then, but like I said, I think everybody wants some version of the same thing. I hope. I mean, I agree that they do want that. And and I also think the youngest person to apply, and they took me on. They let me write on nights and weekends, uh, just because they weren't sure that I would have the the breadth of knowledge that that the other writers would have. And that turned into, I think, within about six months or or so, um, was managing the uh, was managing the site. So wow. yeah. Co-managing it, there was another. That's a huge rise in six months. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, Yeah, I was. I I mean, I was always really passionate about this stuff and had a good handle on on what uh, on what people were people were interested in. Mm -hmm. So, um, and Occupy Occupy was great. Uh, It was it was a it was a a great segue into learning learning as much as I could as quickly as I could and um, and I think ultimately I just I did want to I thought I would be 
better suited to do some stuff in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that, but, um, and I still, I still have a great partnership with Occupy and, 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 um, Video. Oh, you do? You host a show for them or something? Uh, well, all the videos get posted onto, oh, gotcha. onto Occupy's uh, Facebook. So when did you... Um, now, even it's like since we've been talking about you know just setting this up, I noticed like since you've been out of LA, yeah. like videos have been going up. Yes. Did you have those... They can't really be in the can because no. you... Yeah. So, Nothing is in the can. So you can do it anywhere. Anywhere, yeah. I have... Do I you have, do it yourself? Yeah. Wow. Do you have like a was it like a tripod and stuff? Tripod, or? teleprompter, um, wow. yeah, lighting. You brought it all with you over. Yeah, the- I bring it everywhere. Wow. I, my girlfriend and I have been on vacation in Indonesia, mm-hmm. shooting in a hotel room in the middle of Indonesia. And no one can tell because no, you got, because I have a white wall backdrop. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. Um, let me tell you because one thing that I think is worth noting is, you know, there are so many voices out there nowadays. Anyone can have a show. Anyone, you know, everyone has a platform. And when it comes to politics and commentary stuff, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of liberal and conservative voices to listen to on YouTube alone. And frankly, you know, you get to a point where you know who you like, you know you know which voices you listen to and whatnot. And at least with me, I'm never looking for new channels to subscribe to. You know, a lot of times if I if a video pops up automatically and it's someone I am unfamiliar with, don't know their credentials, don't know them, my inclination is to skip. I don't really I'm not looking for anyone new, any any new opinions to take in. With your videos, they were different though. All your videos start with a fairly lengthy news clip. Before you commentate on anything, you let the whole clip play out exactly as it did on the air in its original form. That's unique, and that drew me in at least. And then by the time we got to your commentary, I was already satisfied having actually heard and seen the news clip I expected to see when I clicked on the video to begin with. Does that make sense? Like the <clears throat> the um, titles... And the icons the packaging were not deceptive. Yeah. Number one, so that really pisses me off. But because a lot of times, like if I see an icon that's like a something like a someone testifying or something, right? I'll click on it because I I think, oh yeah, they testified. And, and I, some I, dude's face pops up. Well, or or it's just immediately they're talking over it. Yeah. Then I'm thinking, oh, I just I wanted to yeah. hear what they had to say before anything else. Totally. And I th- I feel like that goes without saying, but well, you check the content on the internet, and it's mostly not. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, did you think about that, or was no that that never even crossed my mind? I, really? I don't think I could do that to somebody to have them really? click and see to have them click on a video expecting to see the news and see me instead. Well. <laughs> and and I'll give them the opportunity. Look, I'll, I'll do I do my commentary after, and if somebody wants to stick around, uh, which I hope they do, yeah. Um, but and and they have been, which yeah. is great. But but I don't I don't want. Uh, to be that's deceptive. not that's not the that's not the product mm-hmm. you know right but i do think i mean that's just you know one thing i noticed that you know that's what caught my attention and um it's different most because like a lot of times it's not even deceptive well yeah i know it is deceptive like if even if it just says you know like the link says like aoc you know destroys republican and then you click on it and it might be a picture of her, but yeah. it's someone going to be like, oh my God, AOC today was like such yeah. a crazy bitch. It's like, 
Oh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, the way I do it is if it, any anything that I do is I, I I do it in such a way that if I were the consumer that I would that I would want to consume what Smart. that person is is selling. And and part of that is getting right to the meat of the clip mm-hmm. and seeing the clip before I see somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then if I if I can build my audience beyond that, if if I can, you know, offer commentary or offer analysis that that keeps people around, then right. that's fantastic. Right. Um, did you, I noticed that your, when your channel, when you first started making videos, the very first few videos were almost like sketches. Yeah. Um, and then, but not, I mean, it was like literally the first two and then it kind of started transforming into what it is now. Yeah. I actually did do a couple political comedy sketches. Yeah. Um, I had, was one, that, was that originally what the channel was going to be? Uh, I wasn't sure what the channel was going to be. I just, I made them because I wanted to. I, gotcha. I thought that that would be fun. I had one video called Putin's puppets and it was a children's puppet, commer- uh, ch- like a children's toy commercial basically, but it was with the, um, this administration's figures. I think it was Steve Bannon, Melania Trump, Donald Trump, and maybe Kellyanne Conway. Mm. And of them just saying, them just saying like horrendous things and kids playing with them. And I thought it was funny. And then, um, and then it slowly changed. Well, pretty rapidly changed from, from there actually. <laughs> and it was just organic. You weren't like, you didn't, it wasn't a, uh, oh, well, I, those videos didn't do well. No, That's, cause they did do well. Um, yeah, I think we put them on Facebook and, and, uh, um, Bill Maher shared one of them oh, wow. and yeah, so it, it, and it was a lot of fun to do, but, uh, he uh, he was on it was on his show. Uh, no, it was it was on. He shared it from his Facebook, oh, gotcha. but his Facebook had yeah. had a, has millions of, of, of people following him. So yeah, I mean they were they were successful, but I think the environment called for something different, mm-hmm. and I don't think that that making you know comedy videos with puppets was uh, <laughs> was well, what, was what the world needed. Right, but now. not to say that there's no I mean the market for that because obviously that's basically what SNL is. Yeah. Um, and they do a great job. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think that there's, I think that I was just more suited to, to doing, you know, analysis on, on breaking news and but, kind of getting, getting more facts out there. And yeah, you do. I mean, like, I mean, you've done sketch and stuff and you do comedy stuff. I have found that while, you know, it's still easy to be funny, you know, like have funny conversations about it. Have you found that it's, Less fun. It's harder to be like overtly silly yeah. about this stuff when it's becoming I mean, so dire. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, there, there's only so much humor you can inject into a situation where kids are getting locked yeah. in cages on the southern border, where there's where there's mass shootings and no one's doing anything about it, yeah. where the where climate change is ravaging the planet. And, you know, there's only so many jokes you can crack. You know. Yeah. And and look, it's it's definitely important to do it, and I do try to try to inject as much comedy as I can into these videos, but, um, some, some days you can't, you know, so (laughs) you just gotta kind of read the room, which, uh, which, you know, I think Trump two days ago had a, a situation where he was maybe in the Rose garden and he was signing the, uh, victims compensation fund bill Mm -hmm. to extend funding for the nine 11 survivors. And he made a joke, uh, um, that's a very, you know, a soft, yeah. Soft J on that uh, about the stage collapsing, um, and they wouldn't have to fall very far if the stage collapsed. And I'm like, what? What are you doing, man? <laughs> Read the room. I don't think that, that the 911s, you know, families and the first responders need a structural structural collapse comedy when they're when you know. Well, he doesn't ever laugh. Have you noticed that? <laughs> yeah, I, I, he doesn't. Have, I mean, so it's like 
Don't try and make jokes. Yeah. First of all, nothing about him is funny. I mean, like he's funny to make fun of. Yeah. But like, I mean, look, like, he's not. When uh, I look at him, I just think, "You son of a yeah, bitch!" Yeah. <laughs> like I don't think like, "Oh, he's a silly, funny guy." No. At all, and it's like, ugh, I can't think of any joke he's ever told that was like, "Wow, that really landed." Yeah, I mean, he has a history of it. I think he was at the uh, he was at the Al Smith uh, <laughs> oh, dinner yeah. during the during the campaign and made some oh, yeah, made some horrible. I don't know some joke about Hillary hating hating Catholics and the room was just, I mean, it was just, and that was even written for him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, and that's the scary part. He goes in, he's like, yup. Like he, he had time to vet that right. sentence uh, and still said it. Well, that just goes to show who's around him. Yeah. Who he puts around him. Yeah. Speaking of who he puts around him, uh, one of his, you know, heavyweight minions is, was recently on TV and I noticed you made a uh, video about it. One comment he made made me very angry. And I think you mentioned it too. And here's a quick reminder. I'm a Jew. As a Jew. As an American Jew. I am profoundly outraged by the comments from Ocasio-Cortez. It is a historical smear. It is a sinful comment. It minimizes the death of six million of my Jewish brothers and sisters. It minimizes their suffering. And it paints every patriotic law enforcement officer as a war criminal. And those are the comments, Chris, that we need to be focusing on. Okay, so I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish as well. I drove like, me insane. Yeah, for him to drove say it's like, oh, because first of all, everything he says is disingenuous and disgusting. But for him, my Jewish brothers and sisters, I want to be like, oh, by all, do not claim. Right. <laughs> like, we do not want anything and that's, to do with and that, you. And that's something that I've never really been able to understand. I don't understand how Republicans have tried to lay claim to the idea of, of, of being these defenders of, of Judaism, especially when 71% of Jews voted for Hillary Clinton over Trump in the election. In the 2018 midterms, 79% of Jews voted for Democrats. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I'll tell you what it is. And, and this is why it even makes me even more angry to see someone like Stephen Miller throw, like throwing his Judaism around. It's like, oh, yeah. because it's so... Strategic. Well, so, I mean, like he used that. He's like, I'm a Jew, so I'm going to say this with authority. Yeah. It's like, oh, you have no authority with no one behind. With no, with who behind it's you? It's like you're barely a human being. Yeah. Like I don't want to. It's crazy that 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 they could that, especially in an administration that is currently locking human beings right. in cages, right. is going to try and throw that card. Well, around. that's another thing. When he because that comment, he was talking about the fact that. That AOC said that, that, said that they were concentration camps. Right. By the way, she said they were concentration camps. She didn't say it was the Holocaust. She didn't yeah. say they were Nazis. She didn't – a concentration camp, yeah, I get it that when people hear that, they think. Right. It's Of course, it's not identical. It was, right. There are there – are, What is – okay, so these are places where a certain population, kids, quote-unquote illegal immigrant children, are concentrated. Yeah. And they are kept together, and, and they're being and they're being denied. That is a constant. That is what that is. Yeah. Now, again, but I mean, they, they they that's what they want to do. They want to lean back on semantics. They want to say that. But they know. Of course, they know. I mean, these kids are being denied toothpaste. They're being denied soap and showers, and they're sleeping on floors, and they're being ripped away from their family members, and they are dying. Like, and also, they're dying in American custody. He was being asked about telling. Th- for congresswomen to go back where they came yeah. from. So that was a pivot. Oh, of course. I mean, and that's that's what this administration is is predicated it's like on. It's the Kellyanne Conway strategy of 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 whataboutism of look over there. 
But doesn't that run out? I mean, it's like that does run out. They're still doing it, but it's like I think so people are getting better at calling them out. You know, yeah, calling them out because for, for so, these things because they'll pivot to stuff. Like you could ask me like how my health is, and if I start talking about chicken. It's like, what the fuck are you talking? Yeah. I just ask you how you're feeling. Like that is so, it's so from A to Z. Yeah. But people talk about what they, they answer the questions they want to be asked. Well, or the- And if they, they don't just, want to be asked about, about the camps on the Southern border, if they don't want to be, talk about his, tr- Trump's, uh, the Mueller report or Trump's yeah. impending impeachment or anything they'll talk about, though, of course it's easier for them to, to pivot to something else. And I think something that they've really leaned in on is this racism because- because now they're left with a base who is encouraged, who encourages these type of, yeah. these type, these well, type he of. he encourages it. Yeah. They respond to it. Yeah. Because they're now being, it's a signal. All of the closet racists or anti-Semites or homophobes or whatever, now suddenly, you know, whereas before it was understood that that behavior was kind of generally frowned upon. Yeah. Now it's like, well, we can all come out and be banned together. Right. And it's like, it's crazy. Uh, you did make a video about the Mueller testimony. Um, how'd you feel about that? How'd you feel that went? I thought it went fine. I thought it went exactly how it would feel. I mean, how it would go. I, I think the thing that people keep forgetting is that we know mm-hmm. about, the, about all of the illegal or, right. or, or you know, the illegal activity. We, think, already, we know about all of this. Do you think it was a mistake for the Democrats to make him testify, but also to kind of... No, I don't think it was a mistake. I think that any any claims that, that optically it, Mueller might not have been uh, as sprightly as as people were expecting him to be is, is BS. I think that the important thing was he said outright in plain English that the report did not exonerate him. And it's a shame that he had to say that because it's already written in the report, but it's a, it goes to show just how much misinformation is being pushed by the right that Trump himself, the very top of the food chain for the Republican Party, is out here saying that I've been totally exonerated from a report that implicated him in 10 instances of obstruction of justice. And specifically says, it's not just that it's like, well, you can interpret it. It says this does not exonerate right, you. Right. So and so for him to to say this thing does this thing that it specifically says it doesn't do is bananas. I mean, it's, it's, it is as blatant gaslighting as you can get. Um, right. But we needed that. We needed, we needed, it's a shame, but it was necessary for Robert Mueller to have to come out and say, no, this report didn't exonerate him. In fact, it implicated him in wrongdoing. Right. Well, but also it's bananas that Trump would respond in the way that he does, saying complete exoneration when literally in the report it says doesn't exonerate. Yeah. But what's crazier is that why isn't everyone in the whole country being like, what the, f- what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Why I feel are like his, they are. Well, his supporters aren't. They're like, well, yeah, but he's that's right. the thing. When the when the news that they're consuming is a repetition of his own talking points, they legitimately don't know that he's done anything wrong. Which, which is, is why you need Robert Mueller to have to come out. And it doesn't matter if the guy was if the guy was was completely incapable of doing of you know if he was if he was wheeled in on a hospital bed, whatever. It doesn't matter if he can come out and say this thing is the truth. You know, the president was not exonerated by 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 this report. That's all you need. It doesn't matter optically whether whether he did a great job or 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 he was awful. The fact is that you just need somebody to repeat the truth. And it's a it's a shame that we need basic tr- truths in this read. country. People don't yeah. read. Um, okay, I want to play because I often find myself getting frustrated with 
the lack of action Democrats are taking in terms of like what, like what we've been saying in the report, there's so much that could qualify as impeachable. Why aren't we moving? Um, I want to play something. This is Nancy Pelosi. Cause when I, whenever I find myself getting really frustrated, which is kind of often, yeah, I hear this and it does kind of make me feel better. And I want to see your reaction to it. This was actually when she was on Jimmy Kimmel, but she was asked specifically about why they aren't moving. We're on a path to gain information. The public deserves to know the truth. Uh, We understand our oath of office to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. So what we have to do, we know our responsibility, but Again, because it is divisive, we have to try to bring people together. E pluribus unum, I quote our founders again. And so when we go down this path, we have to be ready and it has to be clear to the American people. And we have to hope that it will be clear to uh, to the Republicans in this United States. Senate. So what she basically the point she makes is that, listen, when and if we get to the point where we actually take him to task and do an impeachment you know, proceeding. I don't want it to be symbolic. We want it to be as airtight and as absolutely undeniable as possible that even the Republicans will have to. Now, I don't know if that's even because, again, we're living in the twilight zone where I don't know if you'll ever get to a point because they're literally calling up, down and black, white. Right. But that did because she is a very astute politician. Yeah. And it did get me thinking, you know, okay, if she's building a case and so that when it's brought, it is just so damning. Okay, I can understand that. Yeah. How do you feel? Do you think? Because we are running out of time. I mean, yeah. Like- I mean, look, it's hard. It's hard not to get frustrated when you've when you have proof that someone has done something wrong. I mean, we have ten instances of obstruction of justice. You only need one. Right. You know. Um. So it's hard not to get frustrated, but at the same time, when she spoke we were also waiting for Mueller to testify mm-hmm. and we have that coming in the pipe, coming down the pipe. So there were still things happening that I think people were waiting so that they can, you know, as opposed to just coming out and you don't want to, you know, for lack of a better term, blow your load too early, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, right. and, and if Mueller is going to testify anyway, why not just wait and get more evidence out there, convince more people that no, he wasn't exonerated and then move forward. And I think you've seen, a bit of a deluge since then. I mean, I think we have something like 117 members of Congress who've announced their support for impeachment already. So, you know, you have to hope that, that, that Speaker Pelosi is doing the right thing. What do you think is more like, I mean, likely an impeachment and a resignation slash kick out of office or finish a term, whether it's this one or the next one? I think that he likely won't be kicked out of office, but that doesn't mean that he shouldn't, right. that an impeachment inquiry shouldn't be started. I think right. that it would set a pretty dismal precedent precedent if he, if we let these things go because That's it's right. Donald Trump. So you just do it because it's the right thing to do. But why would we let it go because it's Donald Trump? Because you, you think that you can't, you think you can't get it through the Senate. So what's the point? But the point is, the, it's the principle of the matter. And your job is to start the proceeding. I mean, like, right. You have to, you have to, you have to, you have a constitutional duty to conduct oversight on this administration, to hold, to hold, you know, to, to hold people to account for for what they've done wrong. Maybe people don't understand impeachment. Like, because yeah, what, you know, if he he is impeached by the Congress, that means there's going to be a trial. 
presided over by the chief justice. I mean, like, so yeah, he may not be voted out, but at the very least, they'll have subpoena power. It will all be laid out. So once it's laid out and everyone can see what's there before them, and if the Republicans choose not to kick him out, that's on them. But if we just sit and do nothing, I mean, it's not an option. It would it would be it would be a pretty gross dereliction of no of, kidding of duty if they did that. And I and I truly believe that they're gonna at least the House is gonna proceed uh, and vote and vote to impeach. Whether you know, but regardless of what happens after that, that can't steer uh, that can't steer what 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 they do. You know, these Democrats doing what's right, and hopefully some Republicans, but I doubt it. I mean, yeah. we have Justin Amash; he's an independent. And we're waiting for. And by the way, he was a Tea Partier. Like he, right. he's hardly. You know, they want to call him like a liberal now, yeah. which is hilarious. No, I mean, look, he's. De- I'm definitely not trying to lionize Justin Amash. I don't think he's been. I think he his voting record with Trump has been just as bad as any other Republican. But I mean, you know, yeah. credit where it's due. Yeah, he's, right. He spoke out. He That's had the. the, thing. That's he had the all gu- that matters. Like, look, we can disagree on everything, but like, you know, we have to agree that rain is wet, yeah. fire is hot. You yeah. know, like, and it's baffling that we have disagreements on that. Okay, just a few other things I want to touch on. So you are a writer and an actor. Have you ever thought about writing like, or do you write like any, um, you know, have you ever thought about writing, pitching a sitcom or writing a movie or anything? Yeah, I mean, I've I've like thought about it, but... But I you're think, a little busy. <laughs> yeah, a little busy right now. And you're so. happy, you're more... Yeah, I I I love this. Uh, I love politics, so I think that this is going to definitely be more of the path I'll stay on. What do you see? What's your hope and plans for the future? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I I love doing what I'm doing right now. I love being able to to reach the audience that I reach um, online. Uh, I think I'd like to do TV at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've always uh, the uh, John Stewart's always been my hero. Mm-hmm. So I have uh, I have. Uh, a lot of affection for The Daily Show. I think Seth Meyers does a great job on his show. Uh, so who knows? I'll see what I'll How see. How do you happens. feel about the new Daily Show? I, th- I think he's great. I think Trevor Noah has has settled into that position, and he. I mean, John Stewart is not. Those are not easy shoes to fill mm-hmm. by any means. I mean, the guy is a once in a generation voice, uh, but Trevor Noah does a great job, and he has great things to say. Uh, I think. I think. He's done as good a job as anyone could have ever hoped, and then some. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that? Um, I think part of what made John Stewart so good was that while he's a you know hilarious guy and smart comic, he also was very. He, you could see what he really, truly cared about yeah. deeply and stuff, and he wore that on his sleeve, and that made it more meaningful. I right. thought. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a lot of times, people are very. I mean, less so now, but people want to like Jay Leno, for example, who. You know, you hear about being like the greatest stand-up ever, but like he was always very down the middle. I mean, yeah. you know, I'll make fun of anybody, whatever, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Like that's kind of gone now, which is, how could you not make fun of Trump? Right. I mean, how could you? Yeah, I mean, to pretend, I mean, to 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 pretend that you're going to be completely neutral would be would be deferring to, you know, you. Yeah. And it's a false equivalency. Right, think, exactly. Which is also obnoxious. Um, is your full-time job now the YouTube channel? Yes, so that's something I always like to ask you about. People, there are a lot of people now really making a career with their YouTube channels. Um, so I guess the last thing I'll ask you is what do you predict? Who do you predict will be the nominee? Who would you like to be the nominee? What do you think is going to happen? And for real, do you, because a lot of people have been asking me lately, especially lately, do you think we're going to lose? And uh, my response is usually we certainly could. 
We could, yeah, of course. I mean, look, he's the front. Trump is the front runner. He, well, any incumbent, is any incumbent's the front runner. He's he's certainly the front runner. Um, but what's your? What do you truly believe? Could or what do you hope? I think that he won't win a second term. I think that if you look at the states that he needs to win the entire Rust Belt, I think he's. I mean, Pennsylvania statewide elected Democrats, um, Wisconsin Democratic governor. Uh, the the states that he needs to win in 2018 didn't bode well for the Republican party. So you have to figure with him on the, and that, that was, that was with him off the ballot with him on the ballot. I mean, sure. He'll, he'll have his supporters coming, come out, come out to vote for him. But I think that, you know, there's a, people don't like him. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be a Republican on the ballot on a, on a down ballot with, with Trump. So I think that he won't win in 2020. Do you really do? I, I truly don't believe that he, will have what it takes to win in 2020. Who do you see being our nominee? I'm not sure exactly. Um, You know, this time, at this point in all the previous election cycles, it was Mm -hmm. always somebody who didn't end up being the nominee. I think at one point, I mean, Ben Carson was even the front runner at like, at like a similar point in, in, you know, in uh, prior to the 2016 election. So I feel like this isn't a very courageous stand, but I think it looks like it could be Joe Biden. You know, I mean, that, that's the easy answer. Um, in How terms do you of, feel about that? I think that anyone is better than Trump. Right. I think is my diplomatic answer. Well, uh, but it's also true. I'd like to see somebody a little bit more progressive, but, you know, again, the, the important thing is, and, and I haven't come out and said who I'd like to see the nominee be, mm-hmm. um, Kind of on purpose because I, I I do think that I do think that most of them would be would be excellent you know uh, so there's really no point in 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 trying to at least even now when before you know before primaries are even out to 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 take oxygen away from somebody else because you know I'm, I'm, I'd just like to see the fall the cards fall fall where they may right I think if anything that we should take a pledge and spread this pledge whoever it is yeah vote for the Democratic nominee them. yeah and it doesn't and 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 I think that after 2016 I truly believe that even you know even the most devout Bernie bros are going to, you know, line up between, so. be, behind, uh, behind the Democrat, whoever it is. And that goes for the same people on the right. If it, you know, if you have Biden fans that are, and, and Bernie ends up being the nominee, Elizabeth Warren ends up being the nominee. I think that they do the same thing, you know? Absolutely. I, I'm, see, but that's, I, I think that if Elizabeth Warren or Bernie are the nominee, I feel like Biden people won't, it won't be that hard for them to get behind them. Right. You know, and. And look, I mean, I mean, some, I, you know, I don't want to generalize. I think yeah. that some people do think that I, I believe that some some Biden supporters, just like some Bernie supporters, do think that that the the other person, w- you know, would be yeah. would be catastrophic. But um, well, that's crazy. Yeah, don't of be course, crazy people. <laughs> but I, I think that generally, after people see what you know, nobody expected uh, Trump to win in in 2016. So I think that after they've seen that it's a possibility, they'll yeah. be, you know, whoever it is, no, you just, you just vote for the Democrat. And you do, you feel good about it. You think we will? I do. I do. I mean, you know, that and five bucks will get you a foot long at Subway. <laughs> yeah. But, but I do, I do. I mean, you know, if you look at, if you look at the, if you look at the, the, the midterm cycle, we had Democrats won by the biggest margin. They won the house by the biggest margin in modern U S history, mm-hmm. you know? So, so yeah, I mean, you know, certain states are definitely going to be important, but if you look at how those states went in 2018, it bodes well. All of those rates, races statewide, except for Ohio, bode well for Democrats. So those are the states that you have to keep an eye on. Um, you know, 
keep an eye on 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 Georgia, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, um, and Arizona, Nevada, and I think that a lot of those states, if not all of them, look really good for Democrats. So, did you say Florida? I didn't say Florida. Good because screw Florida. <laughs> the last thing I'm ever going to do is hinge Cal- any expectations um, on the state of Florida. Isn't it awful that oftentimes? Our elections are decided by Florida. Yeah, it's kind of scary. I mean, like, how does that, of all places? All right. Well, you heard it here, folks. Brian Tyler Cohen thinks we are going to win regardless of the nominee. So if we don't, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. Well, from my lips to God's ears. Um, if we do, and will that t- will that affect your channel? Because yeah. you'll have a lot less. But do you care? No, I mean, no, that'd be great. Are you yeah. kidding me? I'd love to not have a channel. Yeah, right. So no, I mean, there, there, there's going to be plenty to talk about, and I think uh, I think there's a. It's really important to to have a platform to kind of counter Republican misinformation, and that and that's a lot of like. That that feeds into what the issue was that led to the rise of Trump in the first place. I mean, you you played those clips earlier where you have Republicans, um, you know, criticizing Obama and calling everything he does socialist, and and, and ter- the fact linking is linking him to terrorism. T- to terrorism, yeah. I mean, the fact is that if if this is the news that people consume, then then you need you need voices of reason. You know, you, you might think on on the left that that this stuff is just obvious. But when you, you know, when you're pumping Fox news into somebody's veins on a daily basis for years and years and years, people are going to start to believe what they hear, right. you know? So I think, I think it's important, even, even if there's a Democrat in the white house to, to make sure that the truth, uh, that, that the truth is heard. Absolutely. All right. So check out his channel at youtube.com slash Brian Tyler Cohen, B R I A N T Y L E R C O H E N. And what's your other social media stuff? Uh, Twitter is at Brian Tyler Cohen, those- Instagram at Brian Tyler okay. Cohen, Facebook at Brian Tyler Cohen. So your Cohen, handle's yeah. the same across yeah. the board. Yep. And check out his uh, upcoming films, Running with Fear and Days Like This. Have you done a lot? Of, do, you a lot of, do you do a lot of like horror stuff? Um, I actually, I love doing horror. Yeah. Um, it's a really fun genre. But, uh, you know, you just kind of take, take, what you take, take, yeah. But aren't you a producer on some of these? I was, I was a producer on a film called uh, blue call, which is, uh, set to be completed in a, in a, in a couple months. That's great. So yeah. And that's got, and do you like doing that producing? Yeah, it's all right. No, no. Okay. Yeah. You don't like it. No, <laughs> it's all right. Sorry. Okay. Well, check out his stuff, Brian. I really do appreciate you coming in yeah, Thanks for having being me. on the show and, uh, we'll keep watching the videos. Thank you.